Hi everyone, you're listening to Something Real. On today's Something to Talk About episode, I guess the best way to describe it would be to just believe. We had our sermon about that actually this morning and that'll be posted tomorrow. But for now, that's the underlying theme here, is the belief in what Jesus does, in who he is. And he tells Jairus that in this passage. And that's kind of the whole message here as we see the woman believing uh, so much that she reaches out and just touches Jesus and she's healed. And he tells Jairus to believe and his daughter will be healed and, and, and be awakened. So keep that in mind throughout this discussion and throughout this episode. Good morning, Stacy. Hello. <laughs> we're uh, back in Luke chapter 8, and we're, we're proceeding through these stories, these miraculous stories of Christ. And it's interesting to me that Luke keeps including stories that are establishing kind of the same point in a lot of ways, right. uh, showing that, that Jesus has all authority over the physical and spiritual realms. And we see that once again in uh, chapter 8, verses 40 to 56, as we see uh, Jesus uh, healing a sick woman and a dead girl. And in, in uh, one case, he's actively um, going to, to do this healing. And in the other, um, it's almost as if he's unaware of it. And it, it uh, just, just kinda, happens. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sneaks up on him, so to speak. <clears throat> and so one of the things that, um, that we can know as we're looking at these stories is that when they're included, they're included for a reason. Uh, Luke doesn't randomly just grab stories and stick them together. There is a tale being told to establish a foundation for our faith. Um, and so this this foundation, the the strengthening of um, of the certainty of doctrine is at the heart of all of this. So one of the things that we see in chapter 8 is it's a transition or a, a, a building block, a stepping stone for chapter 9 when the ministry begins to explode. In chapter 9, which we'll get to next time, um, Jesus is then he's delegating this authority to the 12 so that they can go out and do all of these things that he's doing. And so before he gets to that place, it's important for, uh, for him, but in, in the writing of it for Luke, uh, to establish that there is something that Jesus has that he's able to delegate, that he can give here. And so as we see um, today's story, <clears throat> there is, um, they've, they've just gotten back from their trip across Lake Galilee. <laughs> their so, bumpy trip. Yeah, that's right. So they, they take off from the north end of the lake. Uh, most of Jesus' ministry uh, kind of headquarters itself in Capernaum. Um, you may remember from earlier chapters, uh, his hometown of Nazareth rejected him. Uh, Capernaum seemed to receive him. So uh, last time we were together, he had uh, gone across the lake uh, they ran into this sudden storm, almost wiped them out. Um, Jesus calms the storm. They get to the other side, to the to the Gerasene region or the Gadarene region, depending on who's telling the story, if it's Matthew or Luke. And <clears throat> those are two inland towns uh, that have uh, different reasons for being prominent. So the the region gets associated with both of them. But they're kind of in the in the area of the Decapolis um, of the ten cities out there. And so he gets to this other side of the lake. They, kind of, they run into the uh, demon-possessed man. 
Um, long story short, Jesus banishes the demons from him. He's transformed and is in his right mind and dressed, which everybody appreciated, and is sitting at yeah. Jesus' feet um, trying to take stuff in. And the story wraps up with Jesus telling him, you know, no, don't come with me. Go home and tell everybody what God has done Be for you. Be kind of the ambassador of your yeah, own little town. Here. Exactly. And, and that's an interesting thing, especially in light of what we see at the end of today's story. Mm-hmm. So uh, in today's uh, story, starting at verse 40, when they get back, in fact, I'll just read uh, from verse 40. Uh, now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. So now they're back at, at Capernaum or, or in that general vicinity, but they're they're going to get to Capernaum one way or another because that's where they're hanging out. Mm-hmm. So they get back to where they launched from on the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And when he got there, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Pleading with him to come, uh, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. Uh, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding or hemorrhaging for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, and everybody's like, "I didn't touch you. I didn't touch." You. Uh, Peter said, uh, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, why, why are you even asking this? Because right. everybody's touching. Right. Um, and yet something miraculous happens here. But Jesus said, uh, someone touched me. I know, I know that power has gone out from me. If you have an older translation like the King James, it may say virtue has gone out. Same word. Uh, the difference is in the English, not in the Greek. Um, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So this this is a kind of a subplot, a story within the story as uh, Jesus is going to, to heal Jairus' daughter, which he'll eventually get to. Um, but within that story, we have this woman in the crowd I was just at the mall uh, recently, not my favorite place in the world to be. Uh, I was at the mall, and I just felt like, man, everybody's touching me. There's no space yeah. here. There's people everywhere. I need a hot pretzel. <laughs> it's, I did actually have some pretzel bites. It was pretty nice. Uh, and I, I went and got you know mall food from the food court, right. which is, that's the one good part. Panda Express. Is <clears throat> yeah. And so we, we get over there um, to the mall, and there's just so many people. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, this is much more than that. This right. is, the, you know, the crowd's crushing against him. And yet, there's something different. There's something unique about this woman who just touches the edge of his cloak. Now, if you've bu- got people bumping into you all the time, how do you know that? Well, Jesus says he notices that because power has been dispensed, I guess you could say, uh, whatever that uh, means. Which I find interesting, I mean, because I guess I don't think usually of... I just get this image of like a battery and just like a little bit draining or something. And you can see a visual of that. And I guess I don't think of Jesus that way, like that, because he's never going to lose any power. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So for him to say something like I I felt power leaving or something like that, that that was interesting to me. And I wondered why he why he would suggest such a thing, because he has unlimited power. (laughs) Yeah. and, And it struck me similar but different. It, it, it struck me as a weird thing because of the fact that um, maybe because uh, of a more, 
can I say conservative evangelical approach? I know those are charged words these days, and I don't. It's not in any way political, but I, I tend to approach things from a, a more, um, uh, from a, a certain perspective that uh, would see this type of thing. My natural inclination would be to see this type of thing as almost superstitious, like Jesus is like a lucky charm, you know, and, right. and you touch the rabbit's foot, and you know something great right. happens. And so that, for that reason, it seems weird to me. And um, in both cases. Uh, I think those tendencies to see it are, are not really accurate. So have Jesus, have you seen the movie Michael with John Travolta? I have not. I remember the commercials, but I did not see it. I mean, not that kind of angel. Yeah. Well, the the idea is that he he performs, <coughs> you know, small miracles throughout the movie, and every time he does something, like he brings a dog back from the dead or something like that, and every time he does something, he loses power, mm. and, and feathers from his wings come uh. off, and blah, 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 and by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, it came out 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> By the end of the movie, he's he's lost all his power, and he has to go back to heaven. Yeah. Um, so it kind of gave me that <clears throat> idea, too, but that's, I mean, obviously that's not the case with Jesus, but... It, no, but, it, the, but that probably is, uh, whether it's specifically that movie or things like that, probably a factor in, in why you would see it that right, way as you hear right. the story. And so, uh, you know, and, and for me, maybe it's because, maybe my perspective is because I've seen so much of the, um, the what I would call, maybe it's offensive to some folks, what I would call the superstitious Christianity. Yeah. You know, put your hand on the television. If you touch this right. prayer cloth, then you're going to have this healing, which uh, I, without making much apology, I would see most all of that as charlatanism. And so when when I see this, I'm like, whoa, wait, I, I'm a little cringy. You know, or later on uh, we see uh, when, you know, the apostles' shadow would fall on people and they'd be healed no, come on, man. That that's not right. Uh, that just seems sketchy. It seems like something from one of the false gospels that was out of the time, and yet here it is in the canon of Scripture. And so uh, then I have to set aside. Uh, we all have to set aside our preconceived notions, our framework, to engage the text itself. What does the Bible say? How does it say it? Why does it say it? And what's the point of it? And so as we look at this. One of the things that we know is, as you mentioned, Jesus is unlimited power. Mm -hmm. So it's not that his power is diminished by it, like like Michael. It's not right. that, uh, not like a superhero movie where you know I I discharge my powers and I lose a little right. bit of myself. Jesus is, he is everything, and the Book of Colossians makes that really clear that everything is created by him and for him and through him and for his glory and his pleasure. And so we see that that at the heart of it all, Jesus is. As Luke has established over and over again, he is God. In fact, we see that at the end of the last story, Jesus says, go tell what God has done for you. And the man goes and tells what Jesus has done for him, as Luke is kind of driving that point home over and over through his gospel. So as um, as this is happening, it, it isn't the diminishment of his power, but something is being dispensed in some way. And it isn't that... That he notices. And, it's just, uh, and he's aware of right. it. Right. So it's not like... that. I guess that's the thing. is Not everybody who's touching him is having power 
go out from Jesus right. to him. And so I, it's not like he's walking through life just glowing and, and you know levitating right. slightly above the ground. You know, as and let's be stuff. honest, every single person that's bumping up against him, Jesus knows exactly who that is because mm. he's uh, God. Yeah, yeah, maybe he does. I, for sure, in it, it appears, and, and I don't know that there's a way for us to really fully know and comprehend what Jesus knew and didn't know in his well. in his humanity, um, but there, you know, and we've talked about that before. At, at what point did Jesus realize that he was who he was? Yeah, and, that's you know, true. Yeah. Because obviously, as an infant, you know, he didn't right. have the capacity, right. the human capacity to do that, and yet he was also God. So there's a mystery to that that I don't know that we can ever fully unfold uh, of this side of heaven. But whether he knew each individual personally in his human capacity for thinking or in some greater divine mystery. Godness. Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. And so uh, I don't, I don't know about all that. I I don't know that my mind can really take that in yet. And so when I get to the other side, then hopefully that it'll either be, um, it'll either be known or it won't matter. (laughs) One of those things. I mean, it might not matter now. I just think it's interesting. It is interesting. And, And I don't really have an answer for, for that except for, the reason that he knows this person seems to be, it's somewhat inevitable, it would appear, that it's the same reason that this one person actually is gaining power and healing from it. Because mm-hmm. not everybody that bumps into him in the crowd is suddenly healed of whatever's wrong with them. So it makes you wonder almost if you know this woman reaches out and touches him. Does it say she touches his robe? Yeah. The edge of his so she, she touches him. And he he recognizes that you know some kind of power is released, and so I, I'm almost wondering if that is because she she was then willing to to her faith. He says right there, your faith has saved you. Exactly. So maybe that's the difference here. I would say that was without a very roundabout question. way of getting to that, but yeah, to, without question, that seems to be the difference. Others are touching him. Right. This woman is touching him in faith. Right. She is coming specifically. And she's scared. Because, otherwise, she would have come forward immediately. Scared. And I was reading one commentator saying that that uh, that this was part of the modesty. Oh, right. Uh, uh, as a woman not wanting to talk about these personal things and, and uh, in all, in, in virtually everything that, that I've read or, or seen over the years. Uh, related to this this issue of blood or hemorrhaging is is a feminine hygiene issue, not uh, not like a brain hemorrhage or you know she's got a bleeding from her arm. It's it's specifically personal in that way, and so it's there's a fear, there's a, a shame that that would have particularly in that society probably gone along with that. And people probably um, know of her if she's got yeah this, maybe you know. yeah very well could be. Plus, on top of that, any type of bleeding in Jewish society was an uncleanness. Right. So if there's any physical discharge, you can't go and worship at the temple. Well, here's a woman who for years now has not been able to go and worship at the temple because of uncleanness. That's a, that's a social issue. It's a spiritual issue. There's a cultural thing that goes along with all of that. Um, that's got to be super hard for her. Mm-hmm. And so now maybe because it's the crowd, she's like, okay, this is my opportunity. I don't have to go out, but if I can just get to him. One way or another, in her mind, whether the rest of these thoughts that that we're speculating about happened or not, one way or another, for sure, based on what Jesus says, she is in her mind going because if I can just touch even the hem of his garment, he'll heal me. 
even she's recognizing in her mind clearly that he doesn't have to know it. He doesn't have to consciously actively say. So the faith that she's demonstrating is in some ways similar to what we saw in the centurion a little while back who said, you don't even have to come to my house. You just say the word. Right. And and my he doesn't need to now perform some kind of ceremony or whatever. So now she's in the crowd. Just, just let me get close. Let me just touch his clothes. And because of her faith, something happens. And Jesus does recognize that, that there is a difference here. One of these people is acting in faith. But the, the strange thing to me that, not strange, noteworthy thing, is that all of these people in the crowd, this isn't like being at the mall at Christmas time. These people, the crowd is for Jesus. Right. They're here. Right. It, it's more like Elvis or the Beatles. Right. You know, they're, he shows up. The crowds are pressing against him because right. they want him. But she placed her faith in him, whereas everybody else seems to be kind of gathered in the celebrity of it. Right. Hey, it's the, the healer. Hype, right? It's this great guy. And so they're into Jesus for the celebrity status. Right. There's something cool going on here. And... She reaches out, you know, incognito, trying to hide in the crowd. And he notices there's a difference between her and everybody else. And she says, daughter, your faith, he says, your faith has healed you. So then he continues after this very interesting, unique kind of story. We've already seen miraculous healings, Mm -hmm. nothing quite like this. And so how is it that she's healed through this cloak? So before I get on to Jairus' daughter... How is this a thing? Well, Jesus is, has and is life in his very nature. So the power, the, the you know, he says, I am the, the a way, the truth, the truth, and the life. These things are not just attributes of who he is. He is the definition of these things. Yeah. And yet we only take hold of that, not by believing in him as a historical figure, that's one small element of it because we know, as we've talked about before, the devil does that. Right. All the demon, every time he shows up, the demons know exactly who he is. Right. It's not helping them, but they know exactly who he is. Right. But when when we trust in that, when we believe in that sense and that placing our faith in him, then that's where we see a, a major shift. So she's taking hold of the inherent power of who Christ is by placing her faith and trust in him. Um, I don't... I don't think for a moment that it's the cloak that's doing right. it. It's not like the, there's a classic, fantastic movie, The Robe. I don't know if you yeah, ever fantastic movie. Um, one of the epics from the from the 60s. Uh, really worth seeing. Ernest Borgnine's in it, and uh, I can't even remember the rest of the people. Uh, but you would know. Uh, you'd know all their names. A bunch of famous people back in the day. Anyway, but but this robe that was the robe that Jesus had that the soldiers uh, gambled over when he was crucified, everything takes place after that, and the robe mm-hmm. has this impact on people. Um, and there's maybe that's part of why, while I love the movie, maybe that's part of why I, I innately just naturally will reject this story and All I have right. to rethink myself through it. Um, but there's like this inherent power that follows this robe through all these people's lives. Anyway, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think it's the cloak. Right. But it's her faith in Christ coming to him where the power already naturally uh, inherently resides in the Son of God. Well, you look at that with with her reason behind touching him. She didn't think, 
if I touch his his cloak, the cloak will give me will heal me. Right. It's yeah. a part of Jesus. Yeah, and I, you know that that's a really good point because as you say that, I, I I just again maybe it's a little speculative, but I just wonder if that were the case, if she were putting her faith in the cloak, in the icon of it, whether Jesus would have ever said your faith right, is healed, exactly, you, or whether she would have ever exactly, been healed. Yeah. And and we do get trapped in that. We put our faith in icons. We put mm-hmm. our faith in the style of things. We put our faith in, you know, are we putting together a good enough church service to to get people? Um, Are we doing all of the things when what we really just need is faith in the Word of God? Mm -hmm. And because of who Christ is, when we trust in Him, He does the work. She doesn't do anything to heal it other than trusting in Him. Mm -hmm. He does the work. The, The man in the previous story who was delivered from the demons, he didn't do anything. He wasn't even looking to be delivered from the demons. He didn't know that was what he wanted because his mind was so deceived. But Jesus releases him, and bam, everything's changed. Mm-hmm. Jesus does it all. So that's a, a, a real powerful picture of how faith works. We're embracing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing any of the work. So anyway, he gets to, to um, finally gets to uh, Jairus's house, and um, it's interesting to, to recognize that he's back in Capernaum. This is the synagogue he's already preached in. We've already seen him in this setting previously and he heals the leper here mm-hmm. and uh casts out demons and so all these things are are um are taking place Which explains the crowds now it, right exactly <laughs> so this is capernaum's where they they first recognize right. him are like wow we want more of you and yet so much of this has to do with the celebrity status mm-hmm. and not the message and jesus wants it, he uses these healings as sort of a calling card to affirm the truth of the message but it's never been about the miracles. It's right. only been about the message. And so whenever we see that, he tends to downplay it. Here's the truth. Here's the word of God. Here's a miracle to affirm it. But let's not get caught up in that. Let, right. you know, let's keep this smaller for a variety of reasons. And the crowds are part of that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But um, but he gets to um, Jairus' house. And, and remember, who is it that's opposing Jesus through all these things? It's the leaders, the synagogue mm-hmm. leaders, the religious leaders. Well, here's Jairus, who's one of them, one of the leaders. And it doesn't tell us anything about who he was prior to this moment. We don't know anything at all. But he's involved in the leadership of the synagogue. The Jewish leaders, the religious prominent folks, are the ones who have been opposing Jesus. Is it possible that Jairus was among them? Until now I need him. And I'm going to speculate, this is just speculation, but I'm going to speculate and say, yeah, probably. Because that's how we work, isn't it? I, I can go along and ignore Jesus or even oppose uh, Jesus until my life gets so desperate that I need Jesus. Right. And when everything falls apart and I realize I got no place else to go, like, like Peter said to him, where else are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of life. No one else does. It's only you. And even if everything you say is hard, even if we can't handle it, what are the other options? And maybe Jairus gets to that point where, you know, at first this was offensive to me, but I've seen him do these things. I can't explain it, but my daughter's dying. And that matters more to me than the rest of this. Mm -hmm. So he comes, and it's not secretive. When Nicodemus comes in John 3 to ask him questions, it, it's at night under cover of darkness. We're going to slip away, have conversation. Jairus is out in the middle of these crowds, and this leader of the synagogue falls on his feet, on his face at Jesus' feet, 
which is an act of worship. Right. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, get up, don't worship me, like the angels do when, when, when John does that in right. Revelation, or any other place in Scripture. When, when a person of God uh, is being worshipped and adored, they're going to defer that and say, hey, this, please, worship God. I'm not him. Jesus doesn't because, as we've seen over and over, he is God. It's right for that to happen. But as he falls on his feet, um, on, on his face at his feet, that's twice I've said that now, <laughs> Um, to to beg for this, uh, servants and friends, somebody comes up and says, you know, your daughter's dead, don't bother the teacher anymore. And hearing this, Jesus said, this is verse 50, don't be afraid, uh, just believe and she'll be healed. <clears throat> so then when he gets to the house, he doesn't let anybody go in with him except for Peter, John, and James. And not James, his brother, who writes the, the book, but um, John and James are brothers the sons of Zebedee. So they get to come in with the child's father and mother. Then in verse 52, meanwhile, all the people were waiting and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. Not words of rebuke, but words of comfort. She's not dead, but asleep. Notice how they react in verse 53. Yeah, verse 53. Um, They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. This is a demonstration of, of the reality of her physical presence. Jesus does this with himself when he returns. You know, he eats fish with them. He said, Look, a ghost doesn't do this stuff. You right. know, if it's just a spirit that you're seeing, this isn't an apparition. I'm actually here. <clears throat> so it uh, does the same thing here. So they give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. And, and this is an interesting turn of events. This is what Jesus usually says to people in most of his miraculous things. The demoniac was sort of an exception. Her, her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. And so that's kind of how, how that wraps up. And then we go into chapter 9 when he begins to delegate that authority to the 12. So why? What's the difference between right. this you know, when we were talking in the, in the <laughs> as my, one of my favorite sports shows says, in the pre-show fistfight, uh, which we don't have fistfights here. Uh, Yet. <laughs> <laughs> there might be days. <laughs> um, talking about the, the questions, you know, regarding her, you know, the woman touching him and regarding this. Why, why does Jesus tell the, um, the man from whom the demons had been removed to go and tell the story and here he says don't tell anybody and and, and, you know it's kind of forceful language he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened now do you think they obeyed that order of course they didn't right you know and enough people my daughter was dead she's alive now uh hello right tell the story and even though only a handful of people were allowed in with him there were obviously people waiting, you know, they were right. crying. So Pete, when she comes out alive, you know, they're not going to keep their mouths shut either. Yeah, exactly. If the mayor of your town or, or the pastor of your church or whatever has their child near death or dead, and then they're not, people talk. You're right. going to know that. Everybody's aware of it. But what's more than that, this synagogue leader, when whether he did or not, the, the Jewish leaders are opposing Christ. The synagogue leader humbles himself. He gets prostrate before the Lord in public. Remember, the, the crowds are so big that they're pressing against him, crushing him, according to the rendering there. And right out in front of everybody, he's there begging for Jesus to, to mm-hmm. heal his daughter. You think people notice? Yeah, just a little bit. And 
so whatever they do, however much they try not to tell it, it's being told. And Jesus has to know that. Like, I'm sure he does. Yeah, this, that doesn't seem. So like then, what's the point of him not of him so saying that? That's a really good thing for us to take a look at. What is the difference? So when he goes to to the other side of Galilee, the other side of the lake, and he, he encounters this man in the tombs, this is a, like a one-time visit. Mm-hmm. In Capernaum, they already know him. He mm-hmm. He's there. He lives there. He's hanging out, doing his ministry there. So he's there constantly with them, uh, able to answer questions, able to, to uh, have this ongoing ministry. But down in the region of the Gerasenes, he's not there. He doesn't have that. There aren't mm-hmm. crowds. It wasn't like people are saying, oh, let's go see Jesus. They don't know who he is, but they still need the message. So he leaves this man behind as an ambassador because they all know him. They're not going to see Jesus in all likelihood. (laughs) Crazy old Maurice. (laughs) But they are going to see the testimony of his transformed life. Very much like the rest of us. Our job, because he's not physically here like he is in Capernaum. Our job is to be the testimony, we, to, to go out and, and bear witness to what he's done in our lives. So when people see who we were and then see who we are, we can tell what God has done for us through Christ. That makes sense because here, <clears throat> I think it's making more sense now that people are there, a lot of them anyway, for the celebrity. And right. so for, for him to say, you know, don't, don't talk about this or whatever, Maybe he's he's trying to. Again, this is my speculation. <laughs> change their perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody raises someone from the dead, that's adding to their celebrity. Right. It also adds to yeah, oh my gosh, that he must be God. Right. But I think as as people as humans, our first inclination is to think. Oh, wow. And, you know, just follow them blind, not blindly, but you know what I'm right. saying? Like they, they did something amazing. So I want their autograph or I want, you know. Yeah. Well, and look how quickly people, even in our day, look how quickly we turn on celebrities. The most right. popular person in the world next year might be the most hated person in the world. Right. Donald Trump is an example. Donald Trump has been this huge celebrity for 40 some years. He runs for president wins the presidency and suddenly becomes the most unpopular person in America. But I'm wondering if he just you doesn't know. want more crowds to just think just to just follow him for that celebrity get, status. Get deeper. Right. Get, get beyond. Right. I think that's a really good speculation on your part and it's a little bit even more than speculation because we see that that Jesus is not in any way enamored by the celebrity status. Mm-hmm. It's not something that impresses him. Right. And his mission is different than what we might see it as when we make movies about you know the ministry of christ we focus on these things these miracles but the miracles are only an affirmation of who he is Mm -hmm. they're not the point even the message itself is only part of the point the reason jesus came the entire mission of christ in his earthly ministry is to be our redeemer, to purchase back a people for God. So because of our sin, he comes to die in our place. All the rest of this is just leading up to that. Right. But his mission, his purpose for being here is to get to Calvary, 
to be our substitutionary atonement, to die on the cross for my sin in my place, the death that I should die so that I don't have to. And one of the verses I go back to over and over again, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that, that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That was the purpose. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That doesn't happen by simply believing in the miracles. Right. That happens by trusting that his death on the cross paid my penalty. Right. So, and, and Paul develops that so clearly in Romans and in many other of his letters, but Romans really spells it out for us. So as we see that, Christ never loses sight of his mission. And his mission is to turn the hearts of the people to see the truth of God and to die in our place. I think that's why it's interesting that these two stories are together with the woman and then right. this. This is what you need to be doing, right. like the woman. Exactly. Not just following him because it's the cool thing to do. That's right. Yeah, and and there is, you know, there's a blending of it because perhaps that celebrity status is what made Jairus know about this, right. to realize right. it. But that wasn't going to be enough. Right. He needed to, to come to a place where he's on his face before Christ saying, please save me, mm-hmm. save my daughter. And he does. <clears throat> but if with all of these crowds, one of the things that we see over and over again is that they want him to be king. Once they start to get, oh, wait, this we think this is the Messiah. Now they want him to be bring this earthly kingdom right now. Mm-hmm. We kind of do that in yeah. many ways today. Uh, and without getting off on, on too much of a tangent, um, that was a really big movement in, in capital L liberalism of the, of the um, late um, 19th and into the 20th century, where we believed that people were gradually getting better. You know, that we believed that through education we could bring in the kingdom of God. We could usher in the millennium by making people more moral uh, and, and fixing all these external things. Technology was part of God's plan to bring in the, the uh, kingdom. And then World War I happened, which we just celebrated Armistice Day and mm-hmm. Veterans Day uh, on Sunday on the 11th. Um, so that kind of shattered all of that. Because yeah. now we have the most horrific, we, we're believing that we're getting better, we're getting more uh, like God wants us to be. E- even in the church, this wasn't some secular mindset, it was a secularity in the church that, that was starting to happen. But we believed in this humanism of sorts, and then World War I shatters all of that. Yeah. And, we, and we realize it's just, in the words of C.S. Lewis, we've just made more clever devils. We've just gotten better at being evil as we've gone along. And so Jesus isn't here for the kingdom that they have in mind. As he says to, to Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. Mm-hmm. There's something else that's going on here. And... So often he tells these people, don't go and tell this. Keep this in-house because it's not time yet. Uh, and and so, yeah, they're going to tell it, and people are going to see the testimony, and people are going to be able to do that. But if it's just about, wow, look at the awesome stuff Jesus gave me, then right. he becomes this Santa Claus-type figure. Right. And everybody's kind of like what we're doing today with you know merchandising stuff. We're marketing Jesus at, at a certain point. But that wasn't the kingdom that he was here for. So to keep these things at bay, he's most of the time saying, don't, you know, don't go spreading this around. Keep this quiet. 
knowing that it's not going to be, but but keeping a certain amount of, of decorum so that he can finish the mission. Whereas in other situations, like with uh, the man down on the, on the south end of the lake, he's saying, you're here. You go and tell. Mm-hmm. Go and, go and I'm tell. I'm not going to be here. Right. Yeah. You go tell people about what God has done mm-hmm. for you. And in the process of telling people what God has done for you, they're going to see Christ and all of these things are, are going to be out and there. And because Jesus isn't, like you said earlier, physically here today, that's what we're called to do as well. Exactly. And, and we have a tendency to get caught up far too often, whether we would recognize it as the celebrity kind of thing or not. We get caught up in style over substance. We get caught up in, well, let's make a seeker-sensitive church. Let's make, you know, let's make sure that we're in the middle of this building project at, at, at church. And we want to do things right. We want to make sure that, that we're putting things in a, in a, in a, a good way that, that is fostering the environment that, that will allow people to hear the Word of God. But if we ever get caught up in those things, then we're missing the point. And we become like these folks that are crowding against Jesus. What people need is the Word of God, period. And if we will get uh, more and more focused on the truth of God's Word and the truth of who he is and who we are in Christ and less interested in just how we, um, you know, how we package everything, having a, a cool enough pastor or a rockin' enough band or whatever it is, then perhaps we'll allow people to see the real Jesus, not the one that we've created in our marketing attempts. I think that's a good place to stop. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening, everyone.